Did anyone have a chance to read this book? Or did they just receive it? Just, just did? <laughs> so this book, I'm right click, that um, was suggested, the main thing with it is relationships and building relationships throughout this whole journey, all the different topics within the book. And as Kara asked me if I'd be one of the speakers, she um, prefaced my section as being relationship is key to the big and the biggest safeguard um, we have for kids against technology or working with technology. It's our safeguard. And um, that is very true. Is that the feedback? Sorry. Um, so with this, it's relationships. And I'm going to share with you, maybe, so six um, ideas of building relationships with our kids. And this comes um, from a, a website that had this cool video. It's adapted from that. I've added to that. Um, the first one is to be authentic and to be genuine. And we do that by getting to know our students and learning their interests. And from learning their interests, we can know if, why they, what they're doing on Snapchat, what they're doing on the internet. Maybe they like dinosaurs. You can connect with your child by exploring dinosaurs. When you get to know who your child is, explore their interests with them, listen to them when they talk about video games. I will be completely honest, video games drive me insane, and it is a foundation in my house. My husband is a gamer. My kids are gamers. I just sit back with my book and <laughs> go garden, right? But it is important to my family, and that's how they bond. So they know, don't talk to mom about video games, but it's a big deal when they can get a video controller in my hand, or when they can get me to be doing Just Dance, which was super fun, super crazy game, and Great workout, by the way, especially when each kid has to do a different song with mom because she doesn't play video games, right? But it was a great bonding experience. So when it comes to um, getting to know your kids, building that trust, it cultivates a meaningful relationship. And from that, they feel known. And there's a phrase, to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And it comes from, that phrase comes from the monologues of the woman at the well. It's um, from her, well, an interpretation of her interaction with Jesus at that moment that they met at the well. And I would like to share that monologue with you today. I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain, pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. 
To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me. But don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known. And you know me, you actually know me, all of me and everything about me, every thought inside and hair on top of my head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread, my past and my future, all I am and could be. You tell me everything, you tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say I am he. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. And when you build those relationships, when you have those empathetic conversations where they feel they are being heard, you are going to build that relationship. Unfortunately, we do not have the supernatural power to know someone's history and what's going on inside them like Jesus did. But we can through listening, which we're gonna talk about in just a second. On the flip side to this being genuine is also to show our human side. It's important to show that we have flaws, that we're not perfect. Um, like Jason was saying about being a good parent, to say I'm sorry, to share. Careful about all the I statements where it's not all about you um, when it comes to that. And when you think you need to share something of your life story to help mentor your child, ask yourself this question, is what I'm about to say in the best interest of my child? Share technology mishaps. Like when I first started Facebook, I ended up inviting all my, my um, contacts in my email list that happened to be work. And so 400 people, 300 of them I did not know, all got invitations to join me on Facebook. And I had no idea. I was just inviting two friends. That was it. <laughs> share your mishaps. They'll laugh at you. It's good. So, show your human side. Listen. We, yeah, listen. We don't have a whole lot of time. I'm watching the time there. But this is a really important aspect to listen, to know someone, to get to know them. Listening with our whole body, listening and giving that full attention. Um, a disclaimer, when we are, well, we listen with our eyes, we look at the person, we look at their body, we face them, we, um, we take the distractions away so that we can be present with the person we're talking to, right? The person we're talking to is our youth, our teenager, to give them that respect and to give them that. My disclaimer when it comes to this is sometimes people aren't eye contact people at all, that they, um, that's intimidating. 
sit next to them, look out the window, have a cup of coffee. Maybe they're doodlers, they need to have that energy. Have a piece of paper out with crayons, pencils. You know, have your conversation around doodling. Adapt it to your family. You know your kids, you have that history. Um, be fully present, try not to keep on thinking about how you're going to respond to what they're saying, right? Like, ooh, they just told me that. Okay, so what am I gonna say, what am I gonna say? So, and paraphrase what they're saying, it shows you, um, shows them that you are listening. Uh, one of the common phrases that I discovered when I was researching this is that teens, their greatest thing they wanted their parents to know is they wanted to feel understood. They wish they understood them. And to understand them, we have to listen. We have to try. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. <laughs> so as you're listening to your youth, it's not about the nail. And I will say I failed at that today. Just, I got that text message from one of my kids with this mom knowing that it's urgent because they'll do things like that. And of course they shared the situation and of course I just added my advice on how to um, deal with it. Just, you know, they're my kid. You want to help them, right? But I took a deep breath. And of course, writing all this, like, oh yeah, this is what we need to do, right? I said, you know what? I am so sorry, babe. That is really tough. I'm, and it's really awkward. And I love you. And I love you too, Mom. And then I said, I sent her the scary emoji hug. Emoji hug, that's the jazz hands. So I, and I sent her that and said, I'm sending you a creepy emoji hug and I'll give you a real non-creepy hug when you get home, right? So we do that, you have that relationship. You use technology, a phone, to connect relationally with your child. Use it, it's there for you. Some kids don't want to sit to you face to face. Text message, even if you're sitting next to each other. Right, that's what they do to each other, right? And that, so use your resources. Um, I'm gonna go through the rest of these really quickly. Um, create a psychologically safe space 
um, where they can share their thoughts or, that are on their minds, their comments. Um, careful not to rush to judgment shy away from, uh, or shy away from conflict. Sometimes that, uh, that defensiveness is a well, defensiveness is a protection and there's something deep that they're trying to protect. Um, ask clarifying questions, understanding the issues from their perspective. Avoid statements like, you're okay, don't be sad, don't be fill in the blank. Um, because that minimizes the problem and the situation that they're facing, and it also um, sends them a message that their feelings aren't valid, and their feelings are very valid. Um, be, acknowledge their feelings and be that shoulder that they cry on. Because when bad times happen, they will come to you because they feel that you are that safe place. And so that's really important. Um, provide perspective. This is kind of that mentor role, and there is some um, of that talk in the book, um, the Right Click book as well. Uh, as adults, um, we help our youth to consider the multiple aspects of situations. Uh, when their obstacles seem overwhelming, um, that they can't figure out a solution, that is our job, right? But they also need to make the decision themselves sometimes. Right? They're getting to that point where they're taking in that ownership. They need to make decisions. Um, but we're setting a foundation, or have set a foundation, depending on the age of our child, that is building up in that. Uh, so, And be careful about I statements when you're mentoring, because it's not about us. About them. So use some of those little things. If it starts to be turning on you, it's like step back and say, okay, what do you feel about this? What do you think about this? You know, that type of thing. Because true mentorship is engaging and it's time of thinking together. It's a two way street. You have someone, if you go to a mentor, you share your situation with them. They listen to you, they might give you three different kind of ideas or they'll brainstorm with you. And then you take that information and you roll with it, right? Our teenagers are the same in that. So um, foster decision-making skills, that goes along with the mentorship, help them explore options, um, consider consequences. Just because you press delete doesn't mean it's deleted, right? That picture could circle around, right? Um, so, Talk about consequences. Encourage them to seek help when they need help. Um, ask how and why, or how and what questions versus why questions, because why questions you um, are defensive, right? Like why? And you're like because, and then the conversation's done. <laughs> um, acknowledge acknowledge success by celebrating with them. Know that positive connection of the things that they've accomplished because this strengthens their ability to persevere for larger goals. Uh, I read this 10 things not to say to teenagers and I want to share these with you because um, it's about encouragement. One is saying you're incredible because it's um, inflated praise and if someone has low self-esteem it doesn't help to build them up. Um, the other is good job. Um, instead of that maybe it'd be questions of like you know, this is really neat. How did you get to this? You know, the results. Or, I'm so proud of you. Um, changing that statement to, um, good for you. Because the I part of it, again, um, can instill a sense of, well, I need to keep doing this higher and higher standards so that the parent, mom, or dad will like me or will love me, 
I will confess I have said at least two of those, if not all three of those, in the last two weeks. <laughs> We're a work in progress, right? Um, not perfect, but it did give me something to think about. How someone, a comment of, I'm proud of you, thinking I'm, I really am, and I want you to know this, but how is my child receiving it? And that, am I setting a standard that they're going to want to please me? And that's not my hope. So, um, and the book it has three mo uh, modes of teaching: architect, mentor, and champion, or companion. Sorry, and um, those are kind of the protector, which um, Josh was talking about. Um, the mentor, which is a teacher, which you meant mentioned as well, Jason. And then there's a companion, which is your bond, that, that friendship, where you move from the relationship being the center versus the obligation and responsibility. And that tends to be more in the later part of high school towards adulthood and that. But these, they move. It's not, you know, here you go, here you go. It's they move in that regard. And with that, play together, stay together. Involve, get involved with your kids, um, with their, their social media in some way or another. Um, whether it is playing video games to get your work out, <laughs> or, um, or it's just asking them questions, listening to them talk about um, something that's important to them in the gaming world. Or if it's this picture that someone sent them, a meme, and they are laughing, They'll show it to you if you have that relationship. And um, one thing that I talked about, Carrie, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. You know, you started with a teacher and you ended with a preacher. You guys were doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talk about coaching. That as our students go through middle school to high school, we kind of take the role of a coach. We don't play the game anymore, do we? No, but we tell them how to. We give them skills, we have them practice all this stuff, but for the actual game, we don't play it. But there's also this point. When they have a bad attitude, they get fined or they get benched. You are the parent and you have control. So until they are 18 years old, it, you can take the phone away, you can take the computer away, you can stop paying the bill. You have that control and you can have that power. But to safeguard all of this, that relationship. Build that relationship because that is what's going to transcend this technology and whatever the future holds for us.